Hey guys, welcome to the Professional Development Podcast. Today is Wednesday, November 17th, and we have on a very special guest today, Craig Kerlop, uh, aka the FI guy. He's stationed in Denver, Colorado. He's a real estate agent, investor, uh, and author of one of my favorite books, and actually the, the book that got me started on real estate, The House Hacking Strategy. So he started out with $90,000 in student loan debt and a negative 30K net worth. And within two and a half years, was able to turn it around and become financially independent. Craig, thank you so much for coming on, man. Hey, guys. Thank you so much for having me on the show. Uh, it's it's going to be a fun hour here, whatever we got. Yeah, yeah, we're hoping so, for sure. And uh, so was wondering, uh, was actually like debating on how to start this. And I figured talking about your graduation um, uh, would be a good segue into saying that most people graduate and look forward to things like... Uh, you know, like adult things like having your own bedroom and not sleeping on a futon. But you actually pushed that off a little bit starting out. Tell us about that. Yeah, so I assume you mean graduating from college, which we all know the, the college life of, right? You're, you're a poor college student and you're not making much money. And so you need to basically scrape by anything you can. And so if you could just continue that lifestyle for as long as you can, because once you get out of it, it's really hard to go back to it. Right. And so keep living with roommates, keep, keep keeping your expenses super low while you start making money and what you're saving. Right. Maybe you're making $70,000, $80,000 a year out of graduation. And if you can spend the same amount that you were spending while in college, which is probably like $10,000, $20,000 a year, you've got like $60,000 of potential savings, which you can, you know, invest wisely and create passive income. And that passive income is what creates financial independence. Yeah, absolutely. And so you uh, you wrote the book, The House Hacking Strategy. And so we'll we'll talk a little bit uh, more into the story of kind of what I was alluding to, the futons, the curtains in the living room, stuff like that. But before that, uh, talk to us, give us like the, the high-level overview of house hacking. Yeah, so house hacking is the idea that you're buying a one to four unit property with zero to 5% down. So everyone says you need 20% down to buy a house that is absolutely not true. Uh, you can buy it with zero to 5% down. Now, the only stipulation of buying a house with zero to 5% down is you must live there for at least one year. So you live there for one year. While you're living there, you're going to either rent out the bedrooms if you buy a single family home, or you rent out the other units if you bought a two to four family house. And the rent from those other units covers your mortgage and you're able to live for free, thereby probably eliminating what likely is your largest expense in, in housing. Yep. And so when did, you, uh, when did you start house hacking? So I bought my first house hack in June of 2017. So about four and a half years ago. Gotcha. So how did you get turned on to the idea? So I hated my job. And when I mean hated, I mean, I fucking hated my job. Uh, and that hatred of a job in my boss and everybody around me like that. I was in a bad place, right? I was like <laughs> this close to killing people. Uh, and so I, I was like, I just can't do this for the rest of my life. Right. Like I want to, I want to travel. I want to have a family that I can spend time with and, and what actually matters in life. And so in that time I learned about passive income. I learned about real estate and I was like, okay, this is a no brainer. I need to get into real estate. And so I like just that pain from my last job, I applied to 249 jobs in Florida, all being like a real estate agent's assistant, like literally making $8 an hour. I would have gone to making $110,000 a year to make an $8 an hour in Florida. And I was willing to do that to get into real estate. Fortunately, I applied to one job in Denver uh, 
at bigger pockets and I yep. got that job at bigger pockets. And so that was kind of my big like transition from like, okay, I'm in Silicon Valley in a place that I really don't like into Denver, which I don't know if I like Denver or not at this time, but at least I'm surrounded by people that are self-motivated, just like you guys, right? Like driven and wanting to get into real estate. And so I moved uh, to Denver in April, 2017, and then closed on that first property in June, 2017. and really haven't looked back since then. And um, yeah, just building that passive income, man, every single year. Yep. Let me ask, what was the, what was the job you had you hated so much? Oh, uh, I was a venture. So uh, do you know what venture debt is? No, no. Uh, so you've probably heard of venture capital, yep. um, which is like basically trading money for equity in a company. Mm-hmm. So we traded money for debt in a company. Basically, we were hard money lenders for startups. They would lose money every single month. And maybe they needed like $10 million to get them to the next round of rate, like the next equity round that they would raise. And so they would use us for like a year bridge or something like that. And we would, you know, charge fees and high interest rates and all that, just like a hard money loan. Uh, and my job was to underwrite those companies to make sure that they could service our debt. And if they were to go under, we, they would have enough assets for us to take back. Um, and that job, while it sounds sexy that we were looking at all these companies, interviewing all these companies and all that, it totally sucked. You're just like drowning in spreadsheets, meeting all these dumb arbitrary deadlines that your boss sets for you. Like, it sucked. Yeah. And so there was just no way to live life. Yep. No, that I mean, realistically, that doesn't sound very fun at all. So glad you uh, glad you found the gig at uh, Bigger Pockets. So you got your first one, and then I've I've listened to the um, a handful of podcasts before I ended up getting your book. But it sounds like you've grown leaps and bounds since then. Because whenever I listened to the podcast, it was like, okay, I've got uh, X amount of properties at this point. You know, I'm pretty much financially free. Um, and then I know you wanted to take off a little bit of time to travel. And now, um, taking a look and doing the due diligence before the podcast, it's, it looks like you've got your own team now. That's right. Yeah. So I've grown a little bit since I've written the book, um, naturally. Uh, and you'll find that as you get into this journey, your growth will be exponential. So yeah, you know, the, the first house hack, you know, as you mentioned, I was like really grinding, right? Um, bought a duplex, uh, lived in the bottom, rented out the top, but I still couldn't cash flow. So I ended up renting out my bedroom on Airbnb and living in the living room behind the curtain and the cardboard box. So that's what you were to alluding. Yeah. That's what you were alluding to for the curtain. Uh, and then, so after I've done, and then after that, I started buying single family homes where I would live in one bedroom, rent out the other rooms. And so after the third single family home, I was like, well, shoot, I got like three to $4,000 of passive income. I'm a single guy. I think I'm financially free. Mm-hmm. And so what I did was I actually took a $0 paycheck for about three months. Uh, I just put all of my money, I just put all the money into my 401k. And I figured, okay, at the end of three months, if my checking account is larger, I'm financially free. If not, I'm almost financially free and I just maxed out my 401k. So kind of like a win-win situation at that point. And so after those three months, my checking account was larger and I was like, damn, I think I'm financially free. So a month later, I graduated from my job at Bigger Pockets, And that's when I decided to go full-time being a real estate agent, helping others achieve just what I've achieved. That's awesome, man. How many people do you have on your team now? Uh, we have like 20 or so agents on our team. Okay. Um, yeah. Very cool. And so uh, I, I obviously have a, a couple other questions. I want to hear more details about your first house hack, but 
Bobby, um, I know you're getting ready to to do your first house hack. Did you want to hop in? Yeah. So, uh, Craig, I I didn't know anything about this until uh, Matt, and I know he's learned so much from uh, what you've uh, kind of information you've put out there. And then there's some people that we know here in St. Louis that have gotten into the house hacking and um, stuff like that. So, I mean, initially, I think what a lot of people I mean, what they don't know is how much money do I need to have saved up? And I know this might be some stuff that's answered in in your book. And um, I actually bought the ultimate package recently from uh, the um, the Bigger Pockets House Hack uh, website there, so I could get everything. Because I was like, I went on Amazon and I found this ten dollar book, and I was like, I know there's more. I was like, I got, I got, I got to go back to that website. So from like from a financial standpoint, I think a lot of people think I need this large amount of money. And that's always been my perception whenever it comes to looking at a place to buy. It's like you see these $350,000 duplexes and whatnot. So from a loan standpoint, what what does someone need to have saved up in order to get their first unit? So, you know, it depends on what loan type you're going to get. Uh, if you're in the military or you're in um, kind of a rural area, you can go as low as 0% down. So maybe you're just paying the, paying the closing costs, which might be five grand or so. Um, if you're more conventional, right, you can do three or 5% down. And so, you know, if you're going to buy a $400,000 house and you do 3% down, that could be as little as 12 grand in down payment. You're going to have some closing costs. So maybe five, six grand in closing costs. So I would just estimate $20,000 you probably need to, to get into the house. And then obviously you don't want to buy a house and then have $0 in your bank account. And so, you know, maybe another 10,000 or so in reserves. So I would just say like comfortably you want between 20 and $30,000 if your price point is that four hundred five hundred thousand dollar price point right what was so what was your first uh your first house hack there if you don't mind us asking yeah of course no uh that's why we're here so uh <laughs> i bought it for three hundred eighty five thousand dollars it was that duplex i bought it for three and a half percent down so uh, after closing costs and all that stuff i i, I ended up coming to the closing table with about seventeen thousand dollars uh down and i probably had twenty thousand dollars left in my account and so it was totally turnkey, totally ready to go. So I got that thing rented within a month before my first mortgage payment. So I was like offsetting my mortgage immediately. And then I got the Airbnb in very quickly. So it was kind of like a boom, boom thing. Um, and I don't think I ever paid a dollar on that mortgage to date. I don't think I paid a dollar on that mortgage. That's yeah. badass. And I, I, I think so many people, like for me personally, it's like I'd never... I always thought of myself as being someone that was just going to go into rent forever. I don't want the responsibility of being a homeowner or anything like that, but there's so few people I feel like that I mean there's so inf- so much information out there, right? And why why aren't more people doing this? Yeah, that's a great question, man. Um I think a lot of people don't know about it. And so I think that's our job and more and more people are learning about it, especially with like TikTok and Instagram and, and all that kind of stuff where people are really getting educated. But then there's a second layer of people that don't want it, don't want it, right? They don't want to do the work. They haven't felt that pain that I felt at a job that I absolutely detested, right? Like if your job is good, why, like, why do this, right? Why add extra work? Like why... I have to go home and deal with a, a leaking toilet, which doesn't really happen, but like, or go home with a tenants fighting and figure out how to list your property and all that. Like, if you don't have that pain, then you're not going to solve it, right? Yeah, like, yeah. you're not going to fix it. And I think, <clears throat> I think uh, what a lot of people would think, and at least from my perspective, a lot of the reason that I didn't do it, I was like, dude, I'm not a fucking handy person, like at all. So I'm like, 
okay, well, what do I do here? Like, what happens if this goes out? Like, I don't know about foundations. I don't know about electrical. I don't know about any of that shit. And so um, there's obviously ways around that, but one of the things is having reserves. You can have a, a, a contractor, like a, you know, so for my situation, right? It's like I bought a place that was completely flipped around, uh, completely renovated. So not a lot of things happen. You know, like I said, I use your strategy where it's like um, I put away X amount extra per month per door uh, just to make, you know, just for a little shit that's going to pop up here and there. And I've got a handyman that does all that stuff. So owning Matt a James. house does not mean, yeah, right. <laughs> uh, owning yeah. a house does not mean that you have to, you know, be this guy that can, you know, build a house from scratch, right? I mean, 100%. Like, do you think, do you think Warren Buffett knows how to make candy? No. But he may, he owns C's, C's candy. Yeah. Right? Do you think he knows how to make ice cream? He owns Dairy Queen. You think he knows the thing or two? Like, I'm sure, like, he doesn't know, he doesn't get in the weeds, right? And so you, as a business owner, don't have to get in the weeds of like, ha make a hammer and a nail. I mean, it can help you if you know and you can fix sure. it quicker probably and cheaper. But there's handyman out there for 20, 25 bucks an hour that can that can fix most of your things. Absolutely. And so you uh, are uh, notorious, no, notoriously uh, known for being incredibly frugal uh, to the point where it's like, uh, do you have a car yet? <laughs> I do, but you, it's definitely, uh, you know, yeah. nothing to ride home about. <laughs> yeah, but didn't have the car for a while. You were, you know, you were riding a bike. Um, and like we said, it's like, you had you were making good money, but you were throwing it all away, and it was to the point where it's like you had about a two thousand dollar mortgage, and then you rented out a couple of rooms, but you still weren't at that net zero. You were still coming out a hundred dollars, or would have been coming out a hundred dollars worth of pocket. So you legitimately like, uh, what was it? The living room, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, yep. yeah. So I, yeah. So I Airbnb beat up my bedroom so that I could make sure that I was living for free. And you don't have to do this, right? Like, I would have if I didn't do that, I would have had my own my own unit in a really good part of Denver. And I would have been paying like, what, like $250 a month to like, like that's a win, right? That's a win for sure. Sure. Uh, Cause the people upstairs are paying what 1750. And so like, I'm basically getting maybe a $1,500 apartment for 250 bucks a month. Like that's still a thousand dollars a month plus savings. Yeah. But yeah. I just had this thing in my head where I was like, I need to live for free. Yeah. So I, I did the Airbnb thing. Now I was living for less than free. I was getting paid to live there. So I turned my house right from an expense, like a rich dad, poor dad term of like a liability into an asset making me money. And then I was a mile and a half from work, right? And so I was like, well, shoot, I walk by my car every day and it's literally sitting there doing nothing because all I do is bike to work and back and bike to the gym was right next to work too. So I, all I would do is bike. And I was like, oh, what if I just rented this out on Toro, right? And I was making an extra 700 bucks a month doing that. And so between my car and my house, right, they were making me almost $2,000 a month, which is typically people's largest expenses, but they were making me, right? So that's just such a massive swing. Yeah, no, that's awesome. And so, um, and so you had that. And then there's a couple of ways that you can go about um, house hacking, right? And there's duplex, there's single family, there's long-term, there's short-term. You want to walk us through real quick uh, each of those options when looking into trying to live for free? Yeah. So there, there's tons of options, right? It, it would take a lot long to go into every one in particular, but I'll go over a few. Okay. And so in the book, I talk about the comfort continuum. And so on one side of the continuum is profit. On the other side is comfort. And there's a house hacking strategy that kind of aligns on each part of this continuum. So if you want to be on the more comfortable side, 
You can do, and this is what I recommend for families to do, and you can have your own living space. You can live in the house of your dreams, right? But you just find a house that has an additional dwelling unit on the back, maybe a garage that you can convert, or maybe even like a basement that you can separate off in a separate entrance and, and you can have and you can have an Airbnb or someone rent out that extra space, right? So that's kind of the most comfortable side. Now on the opposite end of the spectrum, the most profitable side, I see this a lot with van lifers or rock climbers, right? And, and big travelers is you can live in a van or live in a camper or something, right? And buy a house, have it be your primary residence, live in the camper, rent out the entire house. And so there's two ends of that spectrum, right? In the middle, there's, which is a little bit more towards the profit side, um, is the rent by the room, right? So you buy a single family house, it's going to be cheaper than a multifamily, probably in a nicer area. You live in one bedroom, rent out the other bedrooms, but you have to share common spaces with, you know, with your roommates. Mm -hmm. Uh, and then what's kind of a little bit in the middle, but more on the comfort side is buying the two to four unit property, right? Live in one unit by yourself with your family, whatever, uh, and rent out the other two or three units or whatever there is. Yep. Yeah. And so, um, and so I've actually, I've gone, um, I guess I'll just tell you my story, right? So after reading the book, um, I started saving up, had, had some savings already, but started trying to figure out like what I wanted to do. Uh, I, me being 33 at the time, was like, okay, I don't want to Airbnb out the other rooms to random people. And I was like, also, I know that I'm not a handy person. So somebody that's already kind of like flipped it is going to be something that's good for me uh, because I'm not going to force, what's it called? Um, what's that appreciation? Force appreciation. Force appreciation. Force appreciation. Yeah. yeah. Uh, was and didn't have the time for that because I've got my own business and um, at my own job and just didn't want to make time for it. So I knew where I fell on that continuum. So I ended up, um, well, I guess let's talk about first off, I was paying about 1200 a month for rent at my place before, uh, which was a duplex. And then ended up, my real estate agent found me an off-market deal that was also a duplex, actually nicer than my current one, uh, completely rehabbed, used my FHA 3.5% down, and we negotiated to roll closing costs into there, which in your book, you talk about that's one of the biggest things is like, okay, how do I put the least amount of money down that's going to be a long-term investment that other people are going to pay off for me? So um, so I ended up only having to put about 12K down for a 340K property, which was fucking awesome. So mortgages, 1,800. Tenants pay 1,450 a month, which leaves me 350 a month to pay. And then I throw in an extra 150 bucks a month for the future maintenance needs. Icing on the cake, I uh, got like a 2.25% interest rate. So, yep. Yeah, uh, and so it's just, it literally like the hardest thing to swallow is the down payment for sure. But when you look at the return on investment that you're getting, I mean, what's 1450 times 12, whatever that is, is going to be more than it's more, it's like $17,000. So I, in within a year, already made what my tenants are paying and putting into equity at my house way more than I put in. On top of that, all the tax benefits, the appreciation, the depreciation. I mean, this is stuff that you already know, but it's like, it's just, it's an absolute no-brainer once you actually wrap your head around how to do this. Like you said, owning it, but not necessarily using all of it. For sure. I mean, we talk in the book about uh, the net worth return on investment. And so for any finance nerds out there, it's just an IRR calculation, but I just think it's a little bit easier to digest when it's the net worth return on investment. And so like, what, you know, based on your investment down, how much does your net worth increase, right? And with house hacking, you get over 100% returns like every single time. 
Like, I don't think I've ever met anyone that's gotten less than 100% return on a house hack after one year. After you factor in cash flow, loan pay down, taxes, and appreciation, even if you take out the taxes, because that's just too confusing like, yeah. to calculate on an individual basis. Sure. Even with just these three, you, you see returns in the 120, 130% every single time. Yeah. Oh, it's awesome. And so one of the uh, one of the questions that I do have, because looking at the other side of things, right? The Airbnb or renting out the units. So um, you said that, you know, with the screening process that you have and in your book, it's, dude, you give everything. So I got to give you props there. It's like you tell people how to screen. You, you give them the step-by-step on how to do it. And I will never consider myself like a, a really smart person. So I always say, if I can do it, then fucking anybody can do it. And you lay it out there. But in looking into like the renting out individual rooms, um, you said you haven't had many like bad issues with people, especially like the short-term people that are only there a few days. But you had this story on this podcast um, where I guess you had, uh, you were in the living room and there was this guy that brought this girl back and they were just like aggressively banging in the room so loud for <laughs> hours. And there was a dog in the room that had a squeak toy that wouldn't shut the fuck up. <laughs> oh and there, my was, God. there was a couple other things that happened. I, again, um, can you just give us that story? Because even though it's the minority of what happens, I feel like it makes for for some good uh, content. Yeah, okay, for sure. So, you know, there's 365 days in a year, right? This was one night. Um, but And it was by far the worst night for multiple different reasons, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, it was February of 2018. Uh, it was Super Bowl Sunday. Uh, my beloved Patriots had just lost to the Eagles. So I'm sure a lot of people who hate the Patriots are happy about that, but I was not happy. Uh, And so- That Philly special, man. Yeah, that Philly special. (laughs) It's still hard to digest for me. I bet. uh, Anyway, so so I was already upset coming home from that, right? Uh, And then obviously my my roommate at the time who was living in the place, uh, and he was like a three-month extended lease, was obviously happy and super drunk. He brought his friend over who's like six foot eight. He's like a massive dude. The ceilings are like, seven feet tall. So he was basically the size of the entire place. Um, And there's no room for him to sleep, right? I'm sleeping in the living room. He's sleeping in the bedroom. So he's basically laid out in our kitchen, passed out. Um, He brings his girl back and they are like aggressively, like he's, they're banging very loudly. And I'm like, (laughs) this, like this dude cannot make this girl make these noises. Like she's got to be faking it, right? Uh, and so, and I'm like, honestly, to be frank, like I'm cool with some sex noises once in a while, like whatever. Right. Like, yeah, it doesn't even bother me. Right. That mustache. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Especially on the casting couches. Exactly. um, Yeah. But like, like the, that loud was like, holy shit. And then they like went from the bedroom, left the light on the bedroom, which obviously like made the light on the whole place show in uh, and then went to the shower and started banging in the shower. And while they were in the shower, the dog had this toy that like every time she moaned, the dog would respond with a squeak. So it was like, moan, squeak, moan, squeak, moan, squeak. And I was like, this fucking thing. And I took the damn toy. I threw it out the back and I threw it as far as I could out the back. I swear to God, uh, Nick Foles or whoever fucking caught that shit. Probably. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, and yeah. And so I was, I was pretty pissed. And, and that was a night of very little sleep for sure. Uh, and that's, I guess, one of the downsides, right? Um, but that's one thing I'll say is that this guy was an Airbnb guest that stayed for three months, right? I was afraid that I wouldn't get people over the winter. So I was like, oh, this guy wants to stay from January to, to March. That's perfect. 
but he got too comfortable, mm-hmm. right? The best thing about Airbnb guests is that when you go into someone else's home for two, three days and they're there, like you're going to make sure the freaking bed is made. You're going to make sure the area is like, you're going to be very respectful of their place. But as you get more comfortable, that's when things start to slide. And he was just too comfortable. Yeah, for sure. Damn. That's well, whole, it's hilarious though. Yeah. But good, good to hear it's part of the, uh, part of the, you know, not the majority of what's going to happen in there. So I have kind of a, a personal question. Uh, well, just as related to like my real estate shit. Um, so January is like, I'm on the hunt again, right? I want to do my next one. So for a while, I think the rules at some point in time where you could do a 5% down on a multifamily, but not, not anymore, right? Like you only on single families. So for whatever reason, I thought that was the case. So now I'm at this crossroads of, okay, for my next place, like what are my options here? So I can refi cash out on my current place, uh, which unfortunately right now would take me from 2.25% to like 3.5 or something crazy like that, which would sacrifice about 7,400 annually in like equity that would be put in. Um, if I purchase a duplex outright, obviously I'd have to put 15% down. And then, or I purchase a single family home at 5%. Um, I've also said, maybe I'll just throw some money away and fuck with Airbnb, like the rental arbitrage for a little bit. Obviously, there's a couple of ways that I can go. Just curious, like you're in my shoes, um, probably not going to rent out individual rooms. uh, But another option I could go is buy the place, keep my current place, right? List the new place as my, my main residence and Airbnb that out, which has more money to, more opportunity to make money. What route would you go or what advice would you give me? Uh, I would try to find a place that's a single family house that you can kind of divide off. I suspect you want your own living space. Uh, So I would try to find a single family house that you could separate the upstairs from the downstairs. If there's Mm -hmm. basements in St. Louis, I don't know. Um, We got tornadoes here, man. Absolutely. We got to have basements. So if you've got basements, man, basements are gold. Like if you can find a, a layout where like the back door or the door from the garage leads right to the stairs and you can put a door like, where the top of the stairs to go down meets the kitchen. So it kind of separates off the two units. Yeah. You can add a little kitchenette or something down there, Airbnb, the downstairs, like you might hear them, like you'll hear them once in a sure. while kind of coming in, but you won't see them. And so uh, that would be what I would try to do. And then eventually you can then rent out that house kind of as two units, which is clutch. For sure. Yeah. That's awesome. So when you guys, and I, I apologize for not knowing all of this perfectly, but uh, so let's say like it, you have to live in that house for that entire year. Because if you don't, I know I listen to your um, Bigger Pockets podcast, like you'll go to jail for five years and you don't want to be that uh, that little bitch in there that's like, oh, I'm here because I didn't live where I said I was going to live type deal. Like <laughs> that person is fucked literally and figuratively. Um, so, uh, so can you Airbnb out a part of that or you, are, you have to be in there, like your mailing address is that, is that, um, duplex or whatever you end up buying. So technically, you know, you, you need to have the intent of living there for one year. Now there are some exceptions. If you get married, if there's a life change, you lose your job, you change jobs or like, Oh shoot. Like the neighborhood doesn't feel safe. There was like a sex offender that lives across the street or whatever. And you'd be like, like, that's a, like, they don't want you to risk your safety to meet some loan requirement. Right. And so in those cases, then, you know, you're able to get out of it. 
However, I don't recommend buying a house with a sex offender across the street just to get out of here. Sure. Um, right. But, Scan that area. You know, case net. Yeah. You would, you will want to like live there for a year. Now you can live in part of it and rent out part of it. There's no issue there, but you know, that will want to be your mailing address. You want to change all your credit card statements to have that address on it uh, and, and just kind of keep and make sure your insurance is like, you know, your primary residence insurance and, and just let your insurance know what you're doing. Like your insurance agent is not someone to lie to. So just tell them right. exactly what you're doing. Um, and, and they'll be able to hook you up with the right loan product or the light uh, insurance product. Yep. Um, so had a question uh, outside of the the real estate set. Well, I guess it's, it's along those lines. We're obviously a professional development podcast. Um, where did you get your start into? Because on the website, on the bigger pockets, it says you, you read. You've read hundreds of books, listened to thousands of podcasts. Where did you start like really getting into your own self-development journey? Um, and let's just start with that. So the first self-help book I've ever read uh, was Never Eat Alone by Keith something. I don't, basically, it was just a networking book. And I was just like, oh, this is kind of interesting. Like, I can read and then learn something from it. Um, I started reading with intention probably back in 2016 when my friend gave me the four-hour work week. And that's when I was like, okay, passive income greater than expenses. That's financial independence. Got it. Start thinking about your income and your expenses on a monthly level, on a monthly basis versus an annual basis because monthly is way easier to digest. Uh, and so that's kind of like where my reading came from. And then once I got Tim Ferriss's book, I was like, I got to read a lot of these books. And so then I just went down the rabbit hole of reading. Like if there's a book that I've heard of uh, that I hear like more than once, I'm hundred percent reading it. Like, you know, yeah. so. Dude, that Tim, yeah. Fer- that Tim Ferriss book is so fucking money. I know Bobby's on that right now. Yep. It was my, it was like one of my OG self-development <laughs> books. I literally, when I had a corporate job, I used his script exactly in order to negotiate myself like a work from home thing and start building passive income on the side in order to like jump my business off. And it's awesome. Uh, the minimal, awesome. Effect, minimal effective dose, Pareto principle, all that shit is right up my alley. Love it. You know, it's actually funny. I, uh, I read Never Split the Difference, which is a negotiation book. And, uh, and I went to my boss and that year I did the most production out of any analyst, like over a hundred million dollars worth of deals. Uh, and, you know, they said that your, your bonus can be up to 50% of your salary. And last year I got the full 50%, but this year I only got like 25 or 30%. So I went to the CIO and this is like a, a multi-billion dollar company, by the way, I went to like the second guy in charge, not the CEO, but like the CIO. Yeah. And I went to him and I said, how am I supposed to accept this? <laughs> uh, <laughs> and he was like, what the fuck do you mean? You can quit. Right. That was his no response. Shit. Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, okay. Well, so I, just, I like what? Go so back I, to the seat. I went back to the seat and, you know, two weeks later I put in my notice. Um, but I thought that was like, Unreal. It's just a funny story. And I think I was like a little over, a little too confident maybe in that book. But, but no, yeah, but still, that's still fucking hilarious. So for that, is it just like once you hit like a certain threshold for your your uh, book of business or like your analysis that they just set the bar there so it's harder to bonus like that? It's arbitrary. That's the thing. It's like, you know, your managers come together and decide whether you should have X percent of your salary um, as a bonus. And so there's no metric. Like I did the most deals that year. If there were metrics, I would have hundred percent got 50%. But because like, I don't know, I think I had some pushback or I was like, oh, like, I don't think this makes any sense. Like, why should we do this? And like, I know I didn't, I didn't do exactly what the teacher said. Uh, you know, they, they pushed back on me and, and, you know, it probably was a 10 or $15,000 pay cut that I, that I got that year. So. Yeah. 
So, so uh, I just one of the things that added to why you wanted to be financially free, so you don't have to fucking answer to somebody like that, right? Yeah, I mean, just like the the story in Rich Dad Poor Dad, where where he's sitting in the office waiting for an hour, and you know, and you know, you're you're just your time is you know, trying to ask for a raise from the boss or whatever. Like, no, like keep put that in your own hands, right? Go go hustle and make some more and add some value to someone's life, and you'll get paid more, right? So, yeah. so uh, so off of that, right? Your time is valuable. Um, you're obviously trying to become financially free. Are you, would you say you're more motivated by money or motiva- motivated by freedom and time? Oh, I mean, freedom and I should just say money to be funny. But, oh, yeah. Uh, I mean, <laughs> yeah. 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 Money, of course. Yeah. yeah. Uh, no, I think, uh, I mean, obviously it's time and freedom, right? I think that's probably what everyone is motivated by because uh, you wouldn't be a good person if you were just motivated by money. Um, but that time and money allows for a lot of things. Like, I think once the money situation is handled, you know, it's unfortunate, but then you can start, you can start buying like organic great foods, grass-fed, grass-finished beef. Like that's more expensive, but it's a lot healthier for you. You're going to start going to the, the nicer gyms or do the nicer classes because like they're more expensive, right? And then, you know, you're not fighting about all of these things. Uh, and so I think uh, as much as people want to prioritize family and health over money, it doesn't, like, I don't think life actually works that way. Like I think people always prioritize money first. And so, um yeah, I think once that money situation is set, you can have great relationships with your with your spouse and your kids and, and all that. You can have great health. And, and then from there, you're living a pretty darn good life. Oh, yeah. So much of that too is what people are actually uh, doing with their money as well because you have, uh, I mean, you have so many people nowadays doing that, how much you make, how much you spend dance in terms of living paycheck to paycheck. And I mean, I I work in, I actually work in the insurance world um, currently. And I'm, I, like I said, I'm looking to save some money to get into this, but you have so many people that are just not willing to set aside money for something like this. And I read The Compound Effect um, by... Uh, Darren Hardy, I think is, I I think I got that right. And um, I started putting away because with my bank account, I'm able to put away money on a weekly basis. So I just did, it was 70 bucks a week, right? That $10 per day type deal. And like over, I mean, this would have been probably about eight, nine months ago. And I've seen that grown to about 2,500, which like at the, at one point, like, I mean, I'm 30, 32 now, dang it. I just turned 32. Um, Happy birthday. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> and uh, and just seeing that money in there is so different because I came from, I mean, shoot, I like up until about a year and a half ago, like did not have my shit together whatsoever. And I still don't, but seeing that money in there is so different. And that's something that I haven't even had to think about where so many people are just missing this opportunity to take $10 a day, 70 bucks a week, right? 3,650 bucks a year. If you tell someone you have to save Thirty six fifty a year, they're going to say, well, how, how the fuck do you think I can manage to do something like that? So I think that's where like this has really led me into knowing like, all right, I can set aside this much money to get that first FHA loan. Um, I, I don't know. That's just where my brain goes. And um, I don't know. I, I don't know if that was the same way for you on that or like how you, I guess you had some pretty fat bonuses and maybe you were always good at saving some money, but I think that's where a lot of people are falling short right now. Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, I have always been a saver, uh, for sure. And so any, any extra that I would ever make, I would just save it. Um, I, I knew I was kind of buying back my freedom or I would buy, I, I just knew there was something that I should be saving for. And I didn't even know what it was. I would just knew like having money was a good thing better than not having it. Um, and so, but yeah, dude, I love, like, if you do have an issue, uh, Digit is a really good app. Uh, okay. I don't know if you guys have heard of that. No, but, I have not. 
Oh, yeah. So Digit, I used to use this. Um, basically, it monitors the balance in your checking account. And it automatically, every day, it takes a certain amount from your account and puts it into your Digit account, which is just kind of like a savings account, basically. And then, you know, before you know it, you're like, holy shit, I got like five grand in here. Oh, I'm going to put this into my investments, right? And so it automatically does that for you. Um, and it's a really good app. Uh, then I also, at one point, used Betterment. Uh, and so they would automatically pull from my account like every month or maybe every other week or so. And so I would do like, all right, 500 bucks every other week, just like pull out, pull out, pull out. Uh, and it would be automatic. I wouldn't have to think about it. It would just leave my account. And then I'd be like, oh shoot, I'm $500 poor. But then two days later, I kind of forgot about it. Pull out game is so strong that, as fuck on that app. What's that? <laughs> pull out game, super strong on that app. Oh yeah. Pull out game is very strong. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, Sorry. Pull and pray, right? uh, nice. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but yeah. So, so, so uh, I was just yeah. gonna say, so it's it's incredible what automation can do for you. And so, uh, Bobby and I uh, kind of have similar stories in terms of just like we're awful at fi our finances. Like I was not a saver, and I still think that I have a fuck ton of improvement. Like I tell, I've told a story on this podcast before where it was like, okay, left a job for another job, ended up getting fired at that job, and then it was at a point where I was like, I was. My first job out of college, I was making like right around six figures. The second job I went to was not making that, but was spending like I was. The next job, I took a uh, a jump for a pay increase and they fired me after 30 days. So there I was like behind on my bills, $30,000 in credit card debt, still student loans, um, no job, had to start bartending, like hit a just fucking point where I was like, I was like 27, 28, whatever, moved into my fucking mom's basement. And I was like, okay, something's got to fucking give here. So it's like, Turned it around, paid all that shit off. Um, not the student loan debt, but um, don't you know, need to pay paid, that off. Paid all, paid all the important shit off, um, and now it's like you know I've got a long term savings. I've got a real estate savings account. I've got a, you know what I mean. So, but it's like the once I started automating this shit, it was like I don't even realize you don't even realize that it's coming out of your bank account because you just spend what you think you can based off that account, and it's just uh, it's a game changer. Yeah, dude, you have to make it effortless. Like the 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 more pain you put in between you and, and your goal, the less likely you're going to achieve it, right? And so anything that you can automate, you should. Like if you're not, I automatically pay off my credit card. So I automatically, yep. you know, take money out and put it into savings, um, all that kind of stuff. So, And so speaking of automation too, this kind of goes semi hand in hand. Obviously you have a lot that you are looking to accomplish, right? Like I think kind of a two-part question is like, what does that look like for you? Is it a certain number of units? Is it um, like, I guess, what do you want that impact to be that you leave? And then what, what have you automated and what do you have your employees working on so you can focus on the most important thing to move your business forward and hit your goals? Oh, that's a great, very loaded question. Um, so in terms of the first you know, the first question where it's like, what am I working towards? You know, the, the goalpost keeps moving, right? It's like, you know, first it was like $3,000 of passive income. Then it was $5,000 of passive income. Then it was $10,000 of passive income. And it's like, you get there and you're like, well, 20,000 sounds nice, right? Like, you know, I'm not ready to stop yet. Like, like you need to have that like fulfillment and it becomes more of a game that you're not really like, I don't, I don't think I'm competing with anybody. I'm just competing with myself, right? It's like, I'm still young. I still got the fire. I still want to make an impact. I still want to help people. And, you know, like, like these extra luxuries sound nice, right? Like 
you know, now we buy like really healthy foods and we go to a, a nice gym and you know, we're, we're buying a really nice house and, and like these things that I don't want to ever have to worry about money. And so that's why um, we just kind of keep growing our investments and our passive income. Um, and, you know, the one thing that I'm trying, I think I'm good at, and I'm trying to get better at is that who, not how approach where almost if I find myself doing anything that's not content, I, I try to hire it out. Right. And so even, you know, uh, for example, like one example, most recently is, you know, we're making a new website for the podcast that we host. It's like, I can make that website, but it would suck. So I'd rather pay someone a couple couple grand to make the website. It'd be better. It'll be quicker. And I can continue to make content. So I'm making a website. Um, We're we're making like a a house hacking starter kit. Uh, And so once that, and and so I I wrote all the content, but I'm not a word person, even though I wrote a book, right. But I I, like someone else can like write that better than I can. So I send it to them. They make it right and sound good. And I send it to someone else to make design it. I could do all that myself, but right. Like my, 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 like my, the best use of my time is hanging out with you guys on podcasts Fuck right? yeah uh coming on tick like doing tiktoks and you know thinking of ideas to like just build the brand yeah and that's all i want to be doing so i'm doing that uh, and i have meetings with my team to make sure the systems are in place and all that um and i've got meetings with like you know potential agents that maybe want to come on um clients if they want to talk to me but kind of rare uh and then just you know stuff like this yeah so, so while we're on that subject it seems like you you had definitely found your niche uh, not only like your specialty is real estate and personal finance, right? And and uh, but you found a niche using content to promote that stuff. So it's Instagram, uh, TikTok. So for our listeners that are new to you, new to house hacking, how do we find you? Yeah, so I'm at the Fi Guy on Instagram and TikTok, um, and then our podcast. Uh, we're ju- we're changing the name, so it's either Invest to Fi, like Invest. Mm-hmm. to Fi or the Fi Team Podcast. You should be able to search both and find us. Yep. Very cool. So uh, a couple more questions because I know we're probably running close to time. Uh, is speaking of personal development, all the books you've read, uh, your specialty, like we said, is finance and real estate. So if you were going to pick one book for somebody to start their journey in each area, what would it be? What in real estate and what in finance would you give them? Mm, okay, that's good. Um, so real estate, I would say the house hacking strategy. But maybe, <laughs> I can't, maybe I can't pick my own book. Uh, so I would say uh, Brandon's The Rental Property Investing Book. Uh, that was the first one that I read. Uh, and it, it just outlines kind of the different ways to invest in real estate. So I think that's a great one to start with. It's called The um, Rental Property Investment? The, uh, the book on rental property investing. The, bo- the book on rental property investing. Got it. Okay. Um, and then personal finance book. Okay, I really like the four hour work week and the miracle morning are probably like my two favorites that in the one thing like that I think everyone should read, but those really aren't personal finance. Um, uh, you know, maybe set for life by Scott trench or, uh, uh, the, the simple path to wealth by JL Collins are both really good books. Okay. I, th- I feel like I need to go back and read, uh, you mentioned, you referenced it a couple of times, rich dad, poor dad. I feel like I need to go back and read that one again. I hear that's pretty good in terms of like mindset, also like applicable steps on, on how to get your shit together. You should read that. Everyone should read that book like once a year, like yeah. just get a refresher on it because the stuff in that book is just so valuable and it's so damn <clears throat> simple, but like you, sometimes you're just so caught in the day to day. You kind of forget the big picture of like, you know, like what got you into this in the first place uh, and kind of the, the overarching concepts of financial independence. Yeah, 
Uh, absolutely. Uh, Bobby, before we get into the OnlyFans inquiry, did you have any other questions? Yeah, I just, I, well, I had one. I was just curious because, I mean, we see all these different, I mean, we've interviewed a, a lot of amazing people on here and you're clearly early on in your, I mean, I hate to say early on, you've accomplished a lot in just the last, you said four and a half years, right? Um, yep. And there's so much left to build toward um, and, you're, and you're super young, considerably younger than us. Um, and uh, as far as like your daily routine, what, I'm just curious what that looks like for you because I know we have, I, gosh, there's so much that we want to accomplish personally and professionally, not just like a nice physique and we want to be able to eat healthy and then we want to be able to get our most important shit done first, right? So I was just curious like what a, a typical day looks like for you um, and because obviously you have so much working in the background and you get to focus solely on content. Just curious like what does your day look like? Oh, love that question. So uh, it all starts out with a miracle morning. So I wake up at like 4.30 or 5 a.m. every day, um, every weekday. I give myself time to sleep in on the weekends. Um, so 4.30 or 5 a.m. every weekday, uh, I do my meditations, my affirmations, my visualizations. Uh, I read, I write, I, I do some stretching and some yoga. And then I hop out to the gym. I do probably about an hour and a half workout. Uh, come back, shower, and then I kind of sit down. I've got about three hours before lunch where I just, I'm all doing content, uh, whether it's TikTok, whether it's writing, whether it's creating a starter guide, whatever. Like it's content that only I can do. Uh, I have about a half hour to an hour lunch with my fiance. Uh, and then after lunch, meetings start. So that's when I meet with like my chief of staff almost every day. Uh, I meet with the team occasionally. Uh, meet with our lead agent who manages most of our team, meet with, you know, prospective agents that want to join the team, uh, meet with prospective agents that maybe wants to join EXP. I cop on podcasts. And then it's just, it's just people uh, is that my afternoons. I try to end the day by, you know, five or 6 PM mountain time. And then, you know, we, we have some dinner and, and relax before uh, we do it all over again. Nice, nice man. I I think so many people are looking for something like that. And any entrepreneur, any entrepreneurs that I've come across and myself included, we you original like initially want to have your hand in everything. And you're like, oh man, I gotta do this, I gotta do that. And it's not until like I recently just uh, two Mondays ago, just hired uh, an admin for myself that has already um, changed my life considerably. And I'm now I'm already thinking like, all right, like who else can I hire, right? Um, and how can I get enough? I mean, now I'm just working on having enough money to where I can get that first house hack started. And then from there, it's like, okay, well, shit, I can hire someone else to do that. And you, all, next thing you know, you're building out an empire. So um, mm -hmm. knowing that that's possible at such, a, at, at such a young age and really no matter what age you are, right? Um, so uh, just, I mean, props to you on that. I think, I mean, the more people can build structure to their day, the easier, the easier life becomes. Um, so yeah, props to you, yeah. man. That's badass. And, and dude, having an assistant is the best thing in the world because they, you tell them you do not book me a meeting before 2 p.m. or 1.30 p.m. and they won't. But if someone asks you, your buddy asks you, oh, hey, like you mind meeting at 11 a.m.? Like, I don't have to say no, right? <laughs> My assistant says no. I mean, there's no like decision being made in your head. Like they've done that so many times for me where I'm like, oh, thank God I have them. Like, <laughs> you know, they're, they're worth their weight in gold. Yeah. And I told her it was funny. I, I cause I have wanted to get some morning workouts in and I haven't been able to in so long because I, I have, I use Calendly and I automatically calendar so much of my stuff right from there. And I just automatically have it set up to nine to five people can book a time with me. So next thing I know, I'm like, well, shit, I have to get to the gym at, at six 30 if I want to be done by eight 30. And then if I bring all my stuff with me, then I can shower and leave. And instead I was just like, 
Kylie, I need you to uh, make sure that I don't have any appointments before 11 on Tuesdays and Thursdays so I can make sure I can prioritize that. It's And she asked me the other day, she's like, I know that you don't eat much uh, like because you just nonstop with meeting. She's like, I need to know five places that you like to eat, what you exactly like to eat and give me your card. And I was like, Oh my God, I've never, I've never felt so like taken care of and loved in my life. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, yeah. They, they become your family and treat them like family too. No doubt. Right? Like I think that's a big thing that uh, maybe people don't do is like anyone that works for us or anyone on our team, like they feel like they're part of the family. I mean, we just had our engagement party at our transaction coordinator's house and she set everything up and helped us out big time. And like, she felt so honored to be part of that. Right. And, uh, I mean, shoot, we felt honored that she would allow us to have her house, right? Yeah. And so, like, we like we just love on everybody, and I think that's a it creates a good culture and, and a fun place to to work for sure. Congrats yep. on the engagement. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, so we've got so this is at the at the end of this we do it's called a called the OnlyFans inquiry. So we call our fans the OnlyFans because it when we started out we had an Instagram page with like seven followers on it. Uh, now we're up to a thousand. No big deal. But uh, <laughs> but. We've you actually pay to get the good stuff, or what? yeah, exactly. Yeah. We just hashtagged OnlyFans, and all of a sudden, we got a bunch of bot oh, accounts following us. About a bunch of bots like commenting <laughs> on our shit, which we're like, "Hey, it's engagement. Fuck it. We might as well <laughs> yeah. stick to it, right?" <laughs> um, but uh, we've got two. So the first one, and uh, Bobby's going to read one, and I've got one here. The first one is from Tim here in St. Louis, uh, and he says, "Craig, uh, if you're renting out to tenants, is there a way to screen tenants?" to where only hot girls with high credit scores come through. If <laughs> if not, should we make an app? <laughs> uh, you definitely should make an app. You can maybe check out OnlyFans. Yeah. Um, yeah. Or you go on Hinge and you'd be like, what's your first question is, what's your credit score? Start, uh, instead, of your, only, instead of your pictures, just list your property pictures. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Just show it with like all the paint off and the doors open. Yes. Yeah, let, let everything in. Yeah. <laughs> Okay. Yeah. All right. Thanks for that one. Thanks, Tim. That's yeah. a good question. Cool. And then uh, this one actually, so this is a guy actually from my my sales team here because uh, we have a few people that are are interested in this house hacking stuff. So whenever they uh, found out that we were going to be talking to you today, they were pumped and they started sending me a bunch of questions. So I picked one. Uh, so this one's from Tanner. Uh, he's asking, so he's, he's currently looking to move from his current place that has about $55,000 in equity. And he's wondering if it would be better to buy a four a four family or refinance cash out and pay for it that way. So it sounds like he's it, it, it was a little weirdly quite uh, questioned or worded, but it sounds like he's saying should he do the traditional way and uh, in this next place or refi cash out. So he's got fifty five thousand dollars of equity Correct. into the place into his current okay. house. So not cash. Um, does he have cash? I don't think outside of that, I don't think it's, I think it's what's in his checking account from his uh, insurance sales. Okay. So I would say if you can have cash uh, and you can just buy the next place with a low percent down that way and you can save, I recommend doing it that way. Um, if you want to use that equity, I recommend maybe trying to get a HELOC or refinancing. Um, I'm not sure when he closed, but I suspect interest rates might be a little higher now than they were whenever he purchased, if it was in like the last year. Um, and so if refinancing doesn't really like reduce the monthly payment or you have to like, oftentimes when you refinance, if you don't have at least 20 or 25% equity, you have to live there for another year. So, um, you know, I think the HELOC might be the best approach if he has that equity. What is, um, and for, what is a HELOC for people that don't oh, know? 
Yeah, so HELOC is a home equity line of credit. So typically, if you have, like, typically you still need 20 to 25% uh, loan to value, which means if you've got a $100,000 property, uh, you know, you need basically to have less than $80,000 worth of debt on the property, and the banks are willing to give you whatever that difference is. So if you've got like $60,000 of debt on a $100,000 property, they'll be willing to give you a $20,000 home equity line of credit. Gotcha. Okay, cool. Uh, yeah, and actually, that's a, that's the end of this. Um, I think we're coming up on the hour, but uh, Craig Kerlap, I wanted to say thanks for coming on. Uh, we appreciate you. We're going to continue to follow uh, everything that you have going. I know it's uh, you're kind of just getting rolling with the company, but uh, yeah, man, we appreciate it. Hopefully, we can have you back on again sometime. Yeah, we'd love to, man. And uh, yeah, thanks so much for having me on. Uh, Matt and Bobby, appreciate you guys. Awesome. Okay. See you, Craig. Bye. See you guys. Bye-bye.